Hello there, hello. Welcome to the latest Chats with Charlie podcast. And uh, great pleasure today to have Naomi Richards on the call with me today. Hello, Naomi. How are you? Hi. You well? Good, thank you. Happy Monday. Happy, well, indeed, a happy Monday. Monday, a happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea if you're going to be listening to this on Monday. By, by, by lucky coincidence, uh, whoever's listening might be listening to this on Monday, but it's a Monday we're recording it. So, um, And I think uh, I, I'm so excited about this because we've got... Uh, if you, if you don't know who Naomi Rich is, well, you're about to find out, um, but we have a real live gold medal winning Olympic, or Paralympian, I should say. Uh, I think that's get to get the, get the right uh, terminology there. Uh, I think uh, lots of this is, this Monday is the Monday just after the Olympics in, uh, in Tokyo are finished, Paralympics soon to start uh, and I think lots of us have been excited by that we get uh, excited about it every few years and then uh, the Paralympics comes around and it's uh, you know it's wonderful to see the amazing success that, uh, that all, or the hard work and success that athletes go through so let's uh, let's rewind the clock a bit we've as I said enjoyed Tokyo just now we need to rewind a few years uh, we're going back to um, to London 2012 um, Naomi, put, put us in the, in, the, in the picture. Where, where were you in London 2012 and what was happening for you? Wow, so I suppose this time in 2012 itself, we were just finishing or just our training camps out in Spain, um, you know, getting, getting sort of to, the, to the, what we call the, sort of the pointy end of the season, the race end of the season, and we were taking the time to watch all the Olympic uh, rowers at Eton Dorney and knowing very well that that was going to be our stage in under two weeks. And it, it, there was a, a really interesting balance of, oh, my goodness me, this is the biggest thing I've ever done. And this is so exciting. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting balance. And, and you know, watching them all do that. I love honest, the way you describe it as the pointy end of the season. That's it was a, the that's pointy a, end. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a, that's a lovely look at as a pyramid, you know. And I suppose it's exactly the same with, with business. You spend all that time building the foundations of your business, putting all the structures in place, and that's what winter training is about, is building the foundation of your fitness, building that sort of real base of strength and fitness. And then towards the race end of the season is where you sort of come to the pinnacle of, of what you've done and all the stuff you put into place. And that's obviously what, you know, for businesses, it's what you do when you, you know, deliver to your clients or you, you've got to have a stronger base of your pyramid to deliver at that point in the pyramid. So, yeah, not yeah, nice, uh, nice. Lesson for business straight away there, but let, let's keep to the to the sporting side for the moment. We're talking the uh, the Paralympic rowing events in uh, in uh, in London 2012, Eton Dorney yeah. to be precise. Um, tell tell us about uh, your your uh, gold medal though. That that's 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 what we want to hear about. I mean, oh, certainly I what I want to hear about. Okay. Um, so <laughs> tell, tell us about the event first. So the event itself, it was spectacular. I mean, Dorney Lake, if anyone's been there, um, Eaton Dorney, it's very flat, very two-dimensional, very dull. Um, two kilometres long, eight lanes wide, that's it. Um, whereas for the first time, we sort of rocked up um, for our first sort of, before the games actually started, we were allowed to go and do some training sessions there, get used to the environment, put our equipment away, get ourselves familiar with the space. And we turned up on the bus, and obviously there was all the security and everybody around, and we walked into this absolutely phenomenal three-dimensional rowing stadium that they created around this lake that's usually so boring. Um, and it was like, wow, this is, you know, this is amazing. This is everything you can put. And you, you get off the bus, and you look, and your heart rate just goes up just by being there. You know, the, the, it's almost like the, the feeling and the, the environment and the vibes are already there, even without the crowd. Um, so obviously when the crowd showed up, <laughs> on the uh, on the day of the um, 
the, the um, heats and there were two heats for each boat category and the crowds were started to arrive quite early in the morning and you turn up and you're just walking across and somebody's near your end of the stands and shouts yeah gb and you're like i've no idea who that is but that just gives you a little a little boost <laughs> um and we always did a pre-race paddle so we'd go out as early as we could and just do sort of a quick quick five kilometers as you do in the boat just fine-tuning getting used to the water on the day getting used to the wind on the day getting used to how we feel on that day and just doing some sort of quick sort of easy drills and just tuning ourselves up and there were, as I said, spectators in the stands already, you know, giving you a shout as you went past and and some of them obviously knowing you by name, calling you by name, and you think, Oh, is that my dad? Is that him? Oh, is that my is that my old teacher? Who you know, you could try and recognise some of the voices. Um, we, we went in and did our sort of land based warm up, which is, you know, getting the getting the blood flowing, making sure we're all stretched and all kind of for me, um, I'm a Paralympian because I'm I'm visually impaired. So where am I disability becomes a problem with rowing because actually we do a lot of eyes closed exercises in rowing so being able to see when you row isn't you know not necessarily the the, the thing to do because you go by feel and sound when you row you don't go by sight but where my vision impairment becomes a disability is my balance my coordination my proprioception so we i had to do a lot of stuff on my land warm-up that involved balancing you know just catching and throwing a tennis ball i find that really hard but just really switching every little atom of my body on, making sure I'm firing on, you know, in every way possible was really, really important for me in my warm-up. We'd go and have a second breakfast and we'd chill out for a bit and, you know, and then we'd have to get down to the boat and check it over once more before we went out for our, our heats. Well, there's, there's bits within that I'd love, love to, to, to cover more, but let, let's get to, to, to the nub of the issue. How did the race go? This this is the yeah. coxed four in the Paralympic. Have I got that right? You only have two. You can't have any more than that because physically we're fully able-bodied. Um, but obviously with the sight becoming an issue when it comes to balance and proprioception, is, that's where it becomes tricky. And, and then there's different sight categories within that. Oh, now they've scrapped the bubbles, which is really annoying because I've never actually been able to watch one of the races it unfolds as I'm in it until I started going back with my club. But never mind. Um, so, yes, we're both wearing goggles. He's in the stroke seat, so he's setting the rhythm. Then behind him, um, in front of him, depending on which way you think about it, so behind him is Dave, Dave Smith. Um, he is the three-man. He's in the engine room of the boat, the middle seats, the middle two seats, and the four are where a lot, not any more of the power, but a lot of power comes from, from the middle of the boat, the engine room. Um, and he has to sort of make sure he's picking up on James's rhythm and supporting him, sending that rhythm back down to the bow pair, which is me and, and Pamela Ralph, who was in the bow. Dave was born with club feet and had both of them fixed, so he had limited joint and um, movement in his ankles. And also a tumour was found in his spine in 2010 and removed, which meant he had some nerve damage down his left arm. Um, so that was his disability. And then Pam in the bow had quite severe arthritis. I can never remember the, what type, because there are many different forms, but it meant that she had was in a constant sort of level of pain that she had to manage and had limitation in her joint movement, elbows, ankles wrists and knees um and then lying down in the bow of the boat um so in front of all of us but behind all of us at the same time um is our cox lily and the coxes don't have to have a disability um they just have to be light and they just have to unleash right, the rudder and they are able to steer the boat yeah. to make sure we don't go inside yeah, yeah. i know okay. so side. it's really um, um, yeah it's really hard to do really hard um okay. 
Well, Lily, Lily was steering it with 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 her hands because um, she's not she's not got her feet attached. So let's let's talk about the race itself. Who you, you were talking with there about? You can see your rivals in in their in their warm up uh, warm up mode. So who were the big rivals in their heat, which was before hours, two days before they got a world's best time, um, and we thought, whoa, okay, they're quick. Um, but we also knew that we could be just as quick. Um, so Germans and Ukraine were really the biggest sort of biggest rivals at that point. Um, we knew the Germans were really, really quick after the starting blocks. They have got a very, very fast start. But we also had to have a certain amount of trust in our own end of race or second half kind of power. Um, we so in the commentary of the, the race, the, the commentator actually says it very well in that Mary, our coach, told us to stay in our race or stay in our own boat for the first half of the race, to think only in our in our in our own boat, not think outside the boat and just deliver what we know we need to deliver and then use the second half to push on. So we did exactly that and the Germans were in the lead by about quarter of maybe half a boat length at halfway. But that's where we pushed on. Um, we pushed on at the halfway because we knew that we could actually take it up a gear and we just hoped and prayed that we knew that they couldn't do that <laughs> and that that was, was right. So we started to move through them at about 300 metres to go is where we started to really make our move and push through and they had got to the point where they couldn't go any quicker um, whereas we'd started to push on, we changed gear. We did. So you, you you still had something in the tank. You often hear that phrase. I mean, I, I, look, I, I don't do sport in any way, yeah. um, but you, you know you hear it when watching on TV and or hear commentators say, you know, stick to your own race plan. You know, you hear it. You know, yeah. game yeah. management yeah. comes into. I'm just thinking across all sports here, and it's very much. So, are you thinking that in the moment, or are you just thinking, right? We just got to row hell for leather and see where we get to. What? what, what are you able to break that down in your um, mind in um, the middle of the race? I haven't got a flipping clue what happened for the last 300 metres because the dawny roar was so loud that I literally could not hear. So all the people screaming for GB, because most of them were, there were a few other people in there, but most of them screaming for GB. I couldn't hear a darn thing other than the crowd. Yeah. So I, I had no point from about 250 <laughs> metres to go. I had absolutely no realisation or no understanding of where the Germans were in comparison to us. I couldn't hear Lily. I couldn't hear the rhythm of the boat. And obviously I've got these goggles on, so I can't see what's going on either. So the only senses I have available to me are taste and smell, which at that point in time are not useful and quite horrible at the same time, um, and feel. The only thing I could rely on was feeling the boat yeah. move under my bum, under my feet. And just, and just staying in the rhythm and just moving with that rhythm. And I just literally thought to myself 10 strokes at a time and I focused on something technical for each 10 strokes so the catch which is where you put the blade in the water the finish which is where you take it out of the water pushing the heels down sitting up tall I literally gave myself a technical focus and counted to 10 then did something else because I had no idea where we were what was going on I thought if I can focus on something technical then whatever power I've got left and there isn't much left now I'm kind of done that I will be able to put in whatever power I've got left more effectively into the into the water. Um, and then Dave suddenly stopped rowing and collapsed onto my feet and his oar swung over his head and hit me in the stomach. And obviously I've still got these goggles on. And I thought, I really do hope we finish the race. 
because you're not rowing anymore. And with the buzz I had gone, but I hadn't heard it. Yeah, yeah I was, I was going to say, if, if, if you were relying yeah. on only yeah, the exactly. sense of feel, effectively, because yeah. uh, you couldn't hear anything, you couldn't see anything, couldn't, uh, you know. Did, I mean, was, were you aware of, you know, as you cross the finishing line and the buzzer goes, yeah, I think clear, did the crowd tell you everything hard. you needed to know? Or was yeah, it really so we, we did, them, collapsing we did on you, I think? In the end by sort of two and a half seconds, which is about half a boat length. And, and you know, it was weird because, like, I literally couldn't hear a thing, but somehow I managed to hear Pam say we've won. And I've just, you know, what my first response, the first feeling was, thank God that's over. <laughs> and then it was... The, you know, I, I don't think I stopped smiling for weeks. Um, it, I was just so proud that at last, you know, after having started in 2004 and having had a lot of lows and a lot of highs, but an awful lot of lows, and needing to put, put it right and, and get that gold in London. That's what I've been aiming for since we won the bid in 2005. Seven years, one month and 28 days, I've been thinking about that finish line. I didn't even know I was going, but at that point, but I've been thinking about that for the time. Yeah, because you've got to qualify, you've got to be in the position, you've got to not be injured all the time. Everything comes with that, yeah. You know, there's a lot goes on in in, in those seven seven years, one month and 28 days. Well, I mean, clearly that's, you know, the the gold medals, what everyone will talk about now. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, if we're giving that parallel to business, as you mentioned earlier, the the pointy bit of training, the the, the big triangle, there's a lot of work groundwork that needs to go in you you you're then focusing on that peak and yeah. or the, the point of where the where the result comes in um i i saw someone say about the recent uh, sorry tokyo olympics on on the mind i heard someone say in a commentary they, they should give a you know they should make every event yeah. be done by a, a completely random normal person yes. just to see the level of where olympians truly are and i think that's yeah. the amazing thing when you see the work that goes into um yeah you know, a, a success like yeah, this, seven years, <laughs> forgive me, forgot the exact, uh, exact it's indelibly inked on your, your brain, you know, what, what's it like? Because you've got those ups and downs, you've got the hard work, you've got the setbacks, you've got the mini wins, the mini successes. Do, do you feel so, a momentum it, it, building or is me, it all just uh, a hard slog? Okay, done, move on to the next thing, done, move on to the next thing, done, move on to the next thing, kind of like sales really, you know, at the end of the month you got your target and then you go back to zero and you have to do it all over again. So it's the same sort of thing, but, you know, each year you go to your world championships, you get the result, you get, you leave, you go back, you take a couple of weeks off, you start all over again for the next season because you know that every other country is doing the same. Just because you're gold, gold medalist one year doesn't mean you're going to be gold medalist the next. I mean, Tokyo is a perfect, you know, case in point with the rowers um, this year because they, they didn't perform to the standard that we expect them to because of what they've done year on year on year before. I'm not going to be able to answer why, don't ask. <laughs> I don't know enough about what's going on inside the system and I would not like to make any judgment calls on that. But I think another thing that I found incredibly amazing um, and intriguing about Tokyo was actually um, Helen Glover and, and Polly Swan coming forth and everyone going, oh, they've only come forth. That's amazing. It's incredible. best. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's fourth best in the world, isn't it? I mean, not only I know they, it's huge that, that Helen came back after having her three ch- children, and she is just the most incredible woman. But Polly's been working for the NHS. She's been training for a doctor, training to be a doctor in the middle of a pandemic, and she still made the Olympic final, and she still came fourth. And I just think that 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 sort of says an awful lot in itself. But yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you came to 2012, you mm-hmm. had that massive goal, you hit that goal. What, what was did was it a case of well do I have to get back on the horse now and you know get get going and find re-motivation for something else or does it just come naturally because I know I, I, I know one thing that's it's particularly interesting for me just because it's you and I don't have a lot in common because I'm definitely not a, <laughs> the level you are but I noticed in 2016 yeah. you became the first one to row the length of the River Thames and I, I, I I can say I actually okay. have done that. I did not do it on my own. I did it with a team, and we did it on a, a shift basis. So, but we rode the length of the tidal Thames from okay. out of north of Kent up to Richmond or wherever <laughs> it was. You did it a lot quicker than us, uh, by the way. I should just say. Um, but you know, did you um, did you go searching for other opportunities like that, or did they tend to come naturally to um, you because you're a parent? So I just want to just take it back a, a wee bit because to, to make the, the Thames row make a bit more sense um so obviously being a paralympian because of my eyesight on, yeah. um but where all that started at school i was always on the back foot what i i was one child in a school of 800 you know girls secondary school um and i was not important in the grand scheme of things it didn't matter whether i succeeded or failed in in many of the teachers eyes and i did not have the support i did not have the tools i needed to be able to succeed i suffered with or had some, some very severe bullying, absolutely hated sport at school, did everything I could to avoid, still did it, but I didn't like it, you know, um, it was horrible and I just didn't have the support and I left school with bad grades and thinking that I had no self-worth. Um, in fact, one of my form tutors, or my form tutor was overheard saying to my parents um, on my GCSE certificate, not, not to my parents, sorry, overheard by my parents, on my GCSE certificate evening, saying, well, that's the blind girl from my class. Unfortunately, we have to have girls like that at our school. I didn't, I know, I did not feel that I had any value, that I had anything to offer. So I went through life thinking, don't know what I'm going to do as a career. I'm just going to do my degree. I'm, I'm just going to bumble along and, yeah, who knows. Tried drawing at college, really enjoyed it. I was at college for blind and visually impaired children in Worcester. And I started to come into my element where... I was one of the most able in the school, whereas other kids had worse sight than me, and they had other disabilities as well. And people were saying to me, Naomi, can you help me with this? And I'm going, I'm being asked to give other people help. That's the wrong way around. It felt amazing. How does that feel to to go from a... It felt like I did have something to offer. You know, it was just amazing. And so I tried going at college, and then when I was at university, my friend who'd been at college with me, got in touch with the then coach of the adaptive disabled rowing team before it became Paralympic sport because it only started in Paralympic Games in 2008. So 2004, when I started rowing, was literally a phone call from a guy called Simon who said, Naomi, you fit the bill. We'd like you to come and try out for the British rowing team because we need girls. You're tall, you're a girl and you can't see. You fit. I mean, if that's all you need for a CV, you know, it's great. But, um, <laughs> indeed. became world I just suddenly took to it like a duck to water, ha-ha. But it was absolutely me. I was in an environment where my disability was not important. It didn't matter. But in the opposite way to the way it had done at school, that was the last thing that everyone spoke about. And did you find that becoming world champion within four months and then repeatedly coming back to be world champion, did, did you find yourself with a... 
you know, if you, you, you thought of people yeah. at school yeah. who were tough with you, bullied, teachers giving you no credit for anything, whatever it might have been, all of that terrible experience, how, how does the, the you that's now world champion look back on that? I mean, it's very easy, it would probably be very yeah. easy to say, well, uh, yeah. stick middle finger up and say, yeah, you know, I... I'll show you what. But, I, you know, did, how, I, I how kind of went, went with it and didn't quite realise how big it was, partly because the, the first year we did, 2004, that was Athens, that was Athens Olympics. So none of the big names and the, the, the household names that I'd grown up with knowing about rowing were there. They were all in Athens. I think it was Athens. I should doubt myself. It was Athens. Um, but, yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a small yeah. event in comparison to what it normally is. So it's a little bit like, oh, this is cool. This is really exciting. Let's do it again. Yeah. So in between 2004 and 2005 World Championships, um, I managed uh, to get hit by a car and sent into an induced coma for a week, um, <laughs> which was a little bit of a setback. So I then had to, I'd only been, <laughs> I'd only been World Champion for about two months. Yeah. And then this happened. So I then spent the next year having to rebuild myself. And, and all I wanted to do was be back in that world where my disability was not important. And I was known for baking good brownies, having good banter, pushing hard in training sessions, getting on with everybody. That's the pe person I wanted to do again. So, so, so did you feel when you were recovering from that yeah. accident, a, a sort of almost regression to where I know that I'm most comfortable, I'm most happy, I've got to prove a point, I've got to get there. And I think it's the proving a point that is the point to me doing the Thames row in 2016. So I retired from rowing in 2013 because I, I thought I'll carry on to Rio. And then after a few months of training for 2013 Worlds, I thought, oh, this, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I've not fallen out of love for the sport, but I had spent seven years, one month, 28 days focusing on London. And now that was gone. It's like, oh, gosh, can I do it all again? Not entirely sure. Sort of. Got, I'd achieved all I wanted to achieve and going to Rio would have been amazing I would have loved it and it would have been just glorious but London was all I wanted for so long I couldn't really see past it yeah so retired in 2013 yeah it was such a pinnacle yeah and was asked to become patron of a charity called InVision um, infantile nystagmus being one of my eye conditions and IN stands for infantile nystagmus trying to find a cure trying to grow the research into it and so on and I was just sat in a, um, a cafe with the, the, the founder and said, I really want to do something big for your charity to prove that your disability should never define you and your disability should never hold you back to prove a point. And I want to row the length of the Thames in one go for a Guinness World Record. And she went, you're mad. And I went, yep. And she went, great, let's do it. <laughs> I'd certainly agree you're mad. Oh, yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's so definitely that, that mad. Was, uh, <laughs> that in 2016 and got a Guinness World uh, Fantastic. Well, that's, that, that's pretty amazing. You're putting yeah, everyone else yeah. to shame and uh, we all yeah, get to buck our ideas on that. That's, 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 that's my, what I'm thinking coming out of this conversation. Now, <laughs> but my viewpoint really is that everybody no, has got their gold medal, whatever shape, size it is, be it eventually having the house and the family and the material life that you want, or be it that you want to be able to go on the holidays you want to create the memories, or be it that you want a million, you know, multi-million pound business that you can sell or that can change the world or that can, everybody's got their gold medal. It might not even be that big. It might just be, I don't know, to own your own property. Maybe somebody's got, you know, 
everyone's got their own gold medal. Yeah, it's a lovely way of looking at it. it, it what, it's, it's shape, a, what shape it is, what size it is. got something, yeah, I love that. And I'm quite good at looking forward and going, okay, this is what I want my business to look like in three, four, five years' time. How I'm going to get there, not quite sure. But I know what I want the end result to look like, because that's what I was doing for London. You know, I know what I want is a London gold medal, gold, well, gold medal in London. Yeah. I've got seven years to get there. I don't know what these seven years are going to look like, but I know what I want it to look like in the end. And I think well, you never know. We might be able to use the power of the network to see if we can speed that up so it's less than seven years, one month and 28 days. Um, just tell us quickly about your business. What, what, what are you trying to shoot for? What would what, oh, uh, be like, a good referral so for you um, right now? I'm a motivational speaker. Um, and I also do, alongside that, um, sort of performance coaching. But the motivational speaking is the key element to my business um, at the moment. It will grow, it will change, it will develop, I know. Um, but for me, it's working with individuals, teams, businesses to help them be the best that they can be, to understand what their potential is, to figure out what their gold medal looks like, to to work on how to get from A to B to C to D to Z if they want to go that far. You know, I just want to use the things I've learned along the way, because when I left rowing, I thought, what have I learned? I can row fast. I can lift heavy weights. What have I got to offer the world? And actually, the things you learn along the way, teamwork working with different personalities in a high-pressure environment, goal-setting, long-term, short-term. There are so many transferable skills that you can actually put into the business world and use in the business world. And I just want to... My story is a very real, a very human story. And whilst people go, oh, I can't relate to a Paralympic gold medalist, it's just way off my scale, I'm human. You're human. You know, and, and just make it real to you and how I can help people make the lessons I've learned how they can take them away and put them into practice in their own world, in their own business, in their own team. That that's what really kind of that's my chocolate. I love it. I love doing it. Yeah, I, I love that. Everyone, everyone's got their own gold medal. I think that's such a such a lovely way of putting it. And t- just talking gold medal, where, where do you get the actual gold medal? Because it's usually going somewhere. <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's on on parade constantly. <laughs> love that Naomi it's been absolutely wonderful I, mean, I could sit and chat to you about more of this so much more of this but just for time we must we must wrap it up there I, I just so appreciate you coming on and, and talking about this so many well, such a great story um, amazing to just be talking to a, a Paralympian gold medalist I think that's just mm. cool in itself but you know how many how many lessons and um, points do we take out of this um, for, our, for our own lives and business I think quickly. it's absolutely um, so thank you very much for, for being in January and I absolutely go, go. love it. This this one meeting a week with this group of people that just give me a dose of motivation, you know, to, and really believe in where I'm headed. And I really do think it's 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 really helped me get to where I am today. So thank you to B and I. It's it's absolutely I'm proud to be part of it. Fantastic! Great to hear. That's that's wonderful here it's uh, it's working well for you so far and it's it's only early days as well being uh, as it's uh, still well within your first year so fantastic good stuff Naomi appreciate it have a have a great day uh, I look forward to the Paralympics of course uh, and uh, yeah and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, yeah hopefully get to catch up more. I'd love to hear more about it but uh, we'll save that uh, for, uh, we'll save that for the next one lovely thanks Naomi take care bye bye